Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news, and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Good evening, you're listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. Jake Watson joined by James Jones from West Ham World and Will Pugh from Balls on the Line. Uh, just very, very quickly, chaps, before we get stuck in to our West Ham chat, we've got an hour and a half, we've got 90 minutes. We've got a Carabao Cup second, fin- se- second leg semi-final this evening. Burton Man City, you were here last time, weren't you, for the yeah. first leg? Yeah, that's it. Are we expecting another nine goals this evening? I, I, I couldn't believe it was nine. I mean, I, remember, <laughs> I, I didn't even look at the score when we left the studio, and I woke up the following morning and saw it was nine. But uh, I just remember ca- carrying on joking, thinking, "Oh, you know, if they can keep it under below four, yeah, you know, it wouldn't be any kind of particular travesty." It was, yeah, absolutely incredible. Yeah, so that game, eight pm kickoff. Um, I'll bring you updates. I'll let you know when the goals go in. Uh, hopefully. Uh, for Burton, there'll be significantly fewer goals for us to report on uh, this evening. But on to West Ham. As I mentioned, James Jones and Will Pugh in the studio with me till 8.30. Let's talk about Bournemouth first before we head into any of the other big chats and discussions from the week. It was a it was a 2-0 defeat. Um, frustrated off the back of the brilliant win over Arsenal that you couldn't maybe back it up? Yeah, I mean, sorry, <laughs> sorry coming. Sorry is it coming. that typical? I, I said it last week. It's, you know, Bournemouth Predi- were on a terrible run of results. Predictably you know, we unpredictable. unpredictable. Yeah, exactly. I mean, on the back of beating Arsenal, everyone was, you know, confident was high. But I think everyone at the same time in the back of their mind thought, yeah, we're going to lose this. Yes. This is what West Ham do. And yeah, it's exactly what happened. I wasn't surprised at all. It just couldn't have been more typical, could it really? No. Just one of those games where you come off the back of an excellent win that everyone was absolutely flying about and the performance that went with it and then just to go just it was down with a whimper again wasn't it I, yeah. we didn't have a shot on target until the 79th minute of the game and I just I, I said it before at the weekend um, I was on the station again just saying how it just proves how desperate 
unbelievably important it is for us to hold on to Arnautovic because we just had zero firepower up front. We tried both options, didn't we? Carol and Hernandez had both had a stint. You, you say that, but when he limped off against, what was it, Cardiff, he limped off mm. against, you know, back in what, October, November time, just as we were going on that run, of, that run of results. And we ended up scoring nine goals without Arnautovic on the pitch for like in, in three games. So we proved then that we can score goals without him playing. Uh, what? How many? A couple of them, few of them were Perez, weren't they? Yeah. But do you think he'd get back in swiftly? Do you think he would? Do you, I well, do. Do you think he'd have made much difference at the weekend? It's difficult to tell because you know sometimes he looks quite good, quite mm. useful, and other times he just looks completely useless. Um, I, he's, he's, you can never. You don't really know what you're going to get with him. So I was surprised Carroll started. I was surprised. I thought he would start. He would have started Hernandez. Mm. Um, but, you know, I don't really know what, what the deal is with Carroll at the moment. What was Carroll's performance like then? Because it was, as you said, it was maybe a little bit of a shock to see him to see him starting the game, obviously, because Anatovic wasn't involved at all because of the ongoing um, speculation over, yeah. over his future. So how, how did Carroll do? How did he do? Well, he missed a sitter, didn't he? <laughs> how did he miss that? <laughs> Which is, that's, that's really what everyone, sums everyone remembers, there. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think it, that sums up his, his sort of recent... Uh, stint back in the in and around the team as well doesn't it he's come back for fitness everyone's saying he's playing for a new deal and uh, if anything I would say he's probably confirmed that he won't be around for much, too much yeah, longer yeah. With, with, with that performance or no I mean, he has struggled though hasn't he mm. you know he's, well, I think he's made 13 or 14 30 14 appearances this season since he came out from injury uh, one goal and that was against Birmingham in the 93rd minute um, a minute after rounding the keep and then running into the side netting uh, and missing an open goal. So um, it, it, it just hasn't really worked for him. And I, I thought, yeah, he could be quite useful. He doesn't really fit Pellegrini's style, but off the bench he could be quite useful. Like the final 15 minutes if we're chasing or you know, we need a winner or something yeah. like that. And But instead he seems to be starting games when Arnautovic isn't in the team. And Tottenham it, are desperate for him now anyway. Oh, I mean... Yeah, hold fire on that one, chaps. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk yeah. about January later on, and naturally, uh, Carroll will be will be brought up in in that segment. Of course, links earlier in the week that Spurs were interested in taking him uh, on eighteen month deal, perhaps giving you a couple of million quid for him. We'll get your views on that later on. Of course, West Ham fans as well get involved. O two o eight seventy twenty five five eight at Love Sport Radio is the Twitter handle. But other than that, in terms of the starting lineup, the side that played against Bournemouth, was there any kind of other noticeable difference from the Arsenal game, or was it really just unfortunately you weren't at that same level on the day? I think it was just that we weren't on the same level. Um, the starting starting eleven, okay, barring barring the Carroll decision, you know, didn't did nothing. It was nothing untoward about it. You know, it was a, it was a good starting eleven. It was solid. It was it was predictable. But it was just I just don't think it was an off day. And we've mm. had many of those already this season, we've and we're going to have many more. Mm. Yeah, we've had a few recently. We're saying you've had the Watford Burnley games, but yeah. I, I think uh, it's easy to you see two 0 It looks like quite a convincing result. But their their first one went in on fifty five minutes. I think the game was on a knife edge. It wasn't it wasn't an exciting affair by mm. any stretch of the imagination. Mm. But the game was on a knife edge, half time, nil nil, neither team everyone was expecting quite an open game, weren't they? Yeah. But neither team covered themselves in glory, so to speak. And the opening goal as well, Callum Wilson, it was a very, very yeah. good yeah. goal and and perhaps, as you say, there wasn't a lot in it until that point. And you know, when that goal goes in you know, when it is something of that kind of quality, it then it then puts them very much in the ascendancy, doesn't it? And although the finish was nice, it was a uh, the someone going down the left cross that deflected and ballooned up in the air and has fallen right sweetly in his path, and it was a good finish. But again, I think it was one of those games 
like the no one neither team ripped up any trees but they just sort of got a bit luckier and their second goal was just when we were throwing mm. everyone forward right at the end wasn't that, it? that goal though Callum Wilson 50 million good <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I, I was going to say that he was always going to score as soon as I saw him line, <laughs> he's going to score yeah. now isn't he but I, I don't know whether I mean I, I might be you know clutching it but I don't know whether him actually playing because there was rumours what 24, 40 hours before the game that you know he, he wouldn't make it because you know he had that injury uh, I don't know whether that might have thrown our, plan, our sort of game plan out a little bit because they might be preparing to face, you know, was it is that least Mousset? Mousset, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who who is nowhere near Not as good level. as you no. know? So maybe they were expecting to the defence were expecting to be up against him instead of Callum Wilson, and then suddenly they see Wilson in front of them and it throws the game plan out. I don't know. Yeah. But the the really the big thing that frustrated me at the weekend is that it's now the third time we've bottled trying to uh, get into seventh. Yeah, it's, it's the it's, third uh, time. and But everyone's doing it though, James. Do you know what I mean? I mean, the amount of times, obviously, as a Leicester fan, I've sat there thinking, right, we're seventh now. We've got a good run of fixtures. We can push on. You know, look at Wolves. You look at Watford, Everton. Every single one of those teams this season would have at some point been in seventh thinking, well, this is ours now. We can yeah. push on. Apart from but, us, though. But yeah. none, of, none of these teams, you know, Leicester included and West Ham included, just seem capable of putting together yeah. a run of four or five wins and actually nailing a proper claim to saying that's going to be our position this yeah. year. It makes it more exciting, obviously. The mid, I mean, there's actually a, mid, like a mid-table battle it's, for seventh at the moment. There's like yeah. five or six teams that can get it. But it just annoys me that all those teams around us have sat in seventh at some point this season. Mm. And every time we get the opportunity to do it, it's like, nah, <laughs> can't be bothered. Yeah, I've, 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 honestly, with the greatest respect to, to Watford, to see them in seventh place, they if they, if they were to finish in seventh this season, I think it would be the weakest side to finish in seventh for, for a number of years, would you not think? But I think that's what makes it all the more frustrating, isn't it? Mm. When you see the sides that we are in competition with, it's, it's, not, it's not Everton's strongest year, is it? Watford are playing okay, but... We should be able to give all those teams a game, and on paper, when you see our wage bill and the players that we've got, there you don't look at many of those teams around us and go, "Oh yeah, I'd really like to have X player or X yeah. player in our team." Mm. Whereas quite a few of them would say the same about. Oh, so you just think of Anderson well, at th- one, three three players straight away, and that's what's going to go go on about in the sense of you, you put like a half decent run together, you have a good season. And then it's, it's really frustrating because it's almost like this vicious cycle where you'll then lose Anderson, you'll lose Rice, you'll lose Arnautovic, and then you've got to find those three players again just to stay, just to stand still almost. You know, if you, if you, if you perform well this season and finish eighth and then you lose those players, you're going to have to spend a hundred and odd million quid just to finish eighth again because you've lost those players. And it's just this vicious cycle of being a mid-table team in the Premier League, isn't it? That, yeah, but then again, yeah. that's just West Ham all over. It's you know we we're kind of used to this, aren't we? I mean, we've had a, we've had our relegation battles in recent years, but I mean, where we are now is probably yeah, it's probably where we we're used to being, and you know we, we're not you know strangers to having our best players been linked to, no. linked away. So this is this is it. But I saw someone tweet after the Bournemouth game, um, and I absolutely agree with them. Is that Pellegrini's done such a great job, um, mm. given you know the injury list that we've got. A lot of our signings are out for long, long periods of time, and Zini's out for a long time. On out of it, no one knows what's going on. But we're sitting sitting where we are. I mean, it shows you're doing a great job. But at the moment, that defeat to Bournemouth shows that we're not quite ready to really make that step. No that step. Big, no, better teams will will beat Arsenal and then follow that up with a win against Bournemouth. Uh, better teams will beat Watford at home. Better teams will win at Burnley away in the, mm. the state that Burnley are in. So at the moment, we are just a solid mid-table club. Yeah, Pellegrini's turned us into that. 
but you know, a couple more windows and who knows what could happen. Yeah, absolutely. We'll continue to talk about Bournemouth in just a couple of moments and also uh, West Ham today been fined £100,000 for those pitch invasions um, at the London Stadium last March. We'll talk about it next. It's Love Sport Radio. It's the West Ham Fan Show. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Welcome back. It's the West Ham Fan Show here on I Love Sport Radio. And yeah, we'll just we'll just finish dissecting this Bournemouth game before we, we move on uh, to the fine, the news that's obviously been broken uh, today. So just a word on Bournemouth then, perhaps. You know, we talk about this this mid-table battle. They're only a Callum Wilson away, aren't they, from becoming you know a significantly weaker side? I think it's much more important for them to hold on to the likes of Wilson and Ake than I think maybe West Ham to keep on out of it. Would you agree with that? I would agree. Um, don't think we've done done brilliantly to mm. to get to the Premier League and stand in Premier League for as long as they have. Eddie has done a great job, but they are probably one or two key players for losing one or two key players away from potentially you know all that hard work being undone. Um, but they're a good side. Yeah, I mean, well, twelve or thirteen thousand seat stadium, so their match day revenues are far lower than most other teams in the league. Like you so say, Eddie Howe is is I think he's another one as well who sort of bit of an unsung hero if you like I know he's the sort of the golden boy of English managers isn't he mm. but if I, I think it must be a real threat for them to expect to lose him within the next couple of seasons as well because mm. surely at some stage he's going to get a chance at a West Ham or an Everton or a, just a team that's perhaps that one tier up from Bournemouth yeah. that's, that's the thing that uh, are they a tier up because was, remember it cast your mind back a little bit when Ronald Koeman left Southampton for Everton and there was this huge debate saying are Everton bigger than Southampton because Southampton finished above them you know the, the, the previous seasons in the Premier League they had this really young team they'd obviously won a cup significantly more recently than Everton have done now with Bournemouth yes they haven't won anything but they've been performing very very well in the Premier League for a good few years now they've got an exciting squad they've got a lot of backing it's a very steady safe club for someone like Eddie Howe to be at is it really that much of a step up say for instance if he went to you know an Everton or a West Ham really is it do you think that's that attractive to Eddie Howe I think if if you look at in terms of um, the ability to go a little bit further, um, I mean, no disrespect to Bournemouth, but they, they, I don't think they're a big they're bigger than they're not bigger than West Ham or, or Everton. Is that important? Like, I, I think it's I because think, the, the bigger debate, there's, James, there's, we could have forever. Nobody actually knows who is bigger than who, yeah, and everyone, yeah. there's an argument for yeah. every side. It really is about what is the best job and the most realistic opportunity think, to do something. I think it's career prospects, though. I, I, think, think I don't think there's anything I, in I it. I think West Ham and Everton have probably got, given the money that's behind the, behind both clubs mm. and the investment that the, the owners are willing to to put into the playing squad, because they're able to more so than Bournemouth. There's you know there's a better there's a better opportunity of getting into Europe, managing in Europe. You and, know? and if you look at it from the other side, I know you're sort of getting at there, but Pellegrini wouldn't go to Bournemouth, would he? A manager like him wouldn't go to Bournemouth. I don't know. I, I, I think if you offered a manager or a player enough money, but that, if they're in the Premier Bournemouth League, can't yeah, afford to pay managers. Yeah. I think they could afford Pellegrini. 
I think they could. And, I don't know. I think, yeah. they could. I think any Premier League side these days, because of the huge amount of money, uh, like a Bournemouth, say, for instance, can offer more money in terms of wages than probably a top side in the Bundesliga or Serie A can offer. Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. So if Pellegrini, if you went to somewhere like Dortmund or Schalke or something like that, nobody would raise an eyebrow. But if you went to Bournemouth, who could probably offer him more, people would just because they're seen as little old Bournemouth. But I don't think, I don't think that's the case anymore. But I mean, Eddie Howe, he, he went to Burnley before, didn't he? Which was sort of... Didn't a, go very well. No, exactly. So, and he, he kind of almost reverted back into his comfort zone with, with mm. Bournemouth, didn't he? And But I don't think that just because of that, he doesn't strike me as the sort of manager who, who wants to stay there forever. I know whether it is West Ham or Everton or whoever it may be, I think he strikes me as the sort of guy who at some stage will want another opportunity. Cause he's still very young, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Guys, let's move on uh, from the news that broke today about West Ham being fined £100,000 by the FA for the pitch invasions, uh, which happened last March against Burnley. Uh, just just a word on that, because the I mean, it, I find it incredible this news first of all has happened today, because it was so, so long ago. It's almost a year ago. Yeah, it's incredible that it's taken this long for them to investigate and, and come up with the, the, this fine. But um, do, do you have any objections to it? Not really. Um, I, I'm annoyed it's it come out. Nice because sights, I, was it? it wasn't, nah, wasn't good. I mean, I was I was hoping to forget it ever happened. So yeah. to read, the, I started being reminded of that day. But yeah, I, I don't blame them. Um, I'm, I'm surprised it took so long because it was quite obvious that there were so many issues on that day that you know I'm surprised it took them all what ten months it's taken them to do it. So mm. yeah, no complaints. I know that I know the club. Are, I've seen reports today. The club are asking the, the owners of the stadium to split the spit the fine because they felt that they were at blame. They were to blame for some of the what? some of the stewarding issues and some of the security issues. But was that the reason that people were, were so angry on on the day? No, I mean So so how is how but can it's, they possibly it's, it's ask about for preventing a split? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's their their role in the whole situation yeah. is to stop like things like that from happening. But the BBC report this afternoon was a similar um similar thing, but it said quite clearly in there about the West Ham looking to split the cost and also mentioned about that it was the stadium operators who uh, un, like, unknown to the club reduced the number of stewards for that game before the game yeah. and then there was also a safety report that was produced prior to the game that was then amended or as it was worded in the report updated afterwards to I think perhaps cover over some of the um, glaring emissions that should have been included beforehand. So it was. There's obviously some big question marks yeah, around mean, the whole process. Look, obviously, since that day, we've seen nothing like that at the at the stadium. But in general, how, is the mood around the stadium and the owners significant? Like almost dr- drastically changed from from this ten months on. In the stadium on a match day. Not talking about the stadium itself, just the, 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 just the, the, mood. the mood. Yeah, yeah, the mood's fine. Um, and I suppose, I mean, I I rarely get to away games, so I mean, I only really see the mood around the club when I'm at the stadium yeah. on, a, on a home match day. And the atmosphere's been fine, the mood's fine. Um, you know, generally, it's it's a far cry from what it was this time last year. Um, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't go as far to say that you know, the feelings towards the owners are any better. Mm. Um, they did a really good job in the summer, and a lot of fans respect that. Because, but they needed to do that. Hundred you know, percent. It was their, it was their last chance. Mike Ashley hasn't done it. Well, I mean, he's, you know what I mean. So clearly, there is. You know, you can criticise owners, but clearly, there is something in there that makes them want the football club to be a success. They're not just using course, it as some yeah. kind of cash cow, which of which course. lots of Premier League owners can do but they, and get but, away with it and earn money from it. Premier League owners um, will make mistakes. 
uh, some more than others. It's just a shame that our, <laughs> the owners of West Ham United made a hell of a lot more yeah. mistakes than most other club owners, which led to what happened in that Burnley game. Would you go as far as to saying, I say you perhaps not warmed as much to the owners, but kind of warming to the stadium more now? Would Could, could you go that far? I certainly am. Mm. I think I was probably a bit more moderate with my with my views when we moved. I didn't want to um, at all. Really loved Upton Park, just the same as everyone else. But moving into it, I understood the thinking behind it. Um, the way it was done, I didn't think was, was ideal, but I think it, I got to the stage quite quickly. It was like, well, this is what's happening, so there's nothing that I can yeah. say or do that's going to stop yeah. it. Mm. So get on board. Uh, I, I'm not as negative as, as some fans are about the stadium itself. I think I'm maybe I got quite lucky, perhaps, with the seats that I got. Um, and I quite enjoy going. It's easy to get to. Uh, and I think the atmosphere thing is a myth. I think there was plenty of games at Upton Park when yeah. I remember drawing nil nil at home <laughs> to Walsall when we were in the championship. Yeah, yeah. And there's plenty of games that were awful games, awful atmosphere. Yeah. And just, just as it is with any football club. And I think there's been some fantastic games with some fantastic atmospheres at the new place. So I think I'm quite a lot more positive than than some are about it, that's for okay, sure. Okay, okay. Okay, West Ham fans, in around 10 or so minutes, David Connolly, former striker of yours, is going to join us on the phone. Also played for Wimbledon, so we'll talk to him about your upcoming FA Cup game against them. But up next here on the West Ham Fan Show, we're going to talk about a certain Austrian, Marco Anatovic. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available, but if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Love Sport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword Love Sport. What's the score with BetConnect? Follow the professional money with BetConnect. To celebrate Love Sports' new partnership with BetConnect, we're giving you the chance to win 100 quid of cash. BetConnect is the brand new social betting network that connects you with the pros. To be in with a chance of winning £100, all we've got to do is correctly predict the scores of three games this FA Cup weekend. Just predict the scores of the following games and you could be in the money. Just go to it, Love Sport Radio on Twitter and tweet your score predictions for Arsenal against Manchester United, AFC Wimbledon against West Ham and Crystal Palace against Tottenham Hotspur. And you've got to do it by 7pm on Friday. TNC is a Apply. Entry is free and you've got to be over 18. Enter on Twitter at Lovesport Radio. What's the score with BetConnect? Your best bets are on BetConnect. You must be 18 years or over. T's and C's apply. When the fun stops, stop. Visit BeGambleAware.com. Yeah, welcome back. The West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. Let's talk about Marko Anatovic then. Clearly dominated the headlines over the last few weeks, but it's died down maybe a little bit over the last couple of days. He was obviously omitted from that squad against Bournemouth because, well, it's the ongoing speculation. But guys, where are we at with it? Because the club are now saying they expect him to stay. But if he's not going to be involved in the squad, that can't continue, can it? See, I'm a little bit worried about where this is going. Um... I read a report that Pellegrini had given the players a day off this week and that was going to give him time to, to think about how he's going to reintegrate on out of his into the squad. If we've got if we've reached the stage where he needs to be reintegrated into the squad, then that is not a good sign. No. Um and it worries me that okay, if he's successful in doing that, then his first game back for West Ham 
um, particularly at home, he's going to get booed by the fans because of the way it's been handled by him and his brother. Um, so the mood's changed. The, well, the mood has changed. I mean, there are fans out there that you know see that as a, a as a silly thing to do because you know suddenly you bring the atmosphere back down to what it was in the Burnley game. You know, it's really toxic. Mm. Um, and I'd rather not see that happen. But there are fans out there that that will go and, and make their feelings clear. And their feelings at the moment, a lot of fans, is that he hasn't handled this well, regardless whether he wants to leave or not. Um, he's just you know he's just got he's just got to get on with it and. Being omitted from the Bournemouth game suggests that you know he's he's not he's not playing ball really, is he? Do you, do you think that the move? I was surprised when he didn't get a little bit more stick in the Birmingham game. I, but I thought he was going to get a bit more. If if it was going to happen, I thought it would happen then. I think the the Bournemouth thing. I kind of understand it. I don't know if I've I've softened up a bit the last few years because I'm just so <laughs> so getting used to the realities of football these days. I mean, the Pyatt thing was I think that was that was a big one, obviously. But maybe I'm yeah. I think maybe just softening up a little bit in that I just thought it's it's one game, and if you look at it from a bigger picture, yeah, then we need him this season. And if he comes back in and he's had one game off and all right, yeah, he might have made a difference against Bournemouth. But if he comes back in, gets his head down for the rest of the season, there's reports that I think Pellegrini said basically look, you can go in the summer if the right offer comes in and just get your head down from now. And I'm all right with that. That's kind of how I wanted it to play out yeah, from that, the beginning. But that's fair enough, right? But my issue is here is, is the way that you kind of want it to pan out and the possible options of, you know, this could happen, he could do this. But ultimately, you've just kind of got to look at the player and his track record. And, and sometimes it, it's pretty it's pretty obvious what's going to happen. For me, I don't see Marko Anatovic wanting to reintegrate and to be part of that West Ham team. He's, he's made that clear. That's nothing against West Ham. That's just what he's like. Do mm. you not think? No, I agree. Uh, there, there is that that fear as well that you know that reintegration doesn't work, and you know we don't see him again, and we don't manage to sell him, and he's he's sitting in the reserves, and um, and that doesn't. And for me, I mean, that's why I was desperate for us to sell to sell pay it in the end because it was like you can't just stick him in the reserves or, or with the youth team for for six months. You can't do it because that you know what does that his his attitude doesn't rub off well with, with the younger players there who, who are looking at the likes of Declan Rice and Grady and Garner at the moment and Zande Silva and going, mm. you know, this is a great opportunity for us to really break into the first team. And then you've got someone like him knocking about with you know, with a really bad attitude. Um, and this is, that's my fear at the moment. You know, I, I haven't really got an issue with him missing that game. Mm. I think Pellegrini did the right thing. If, if, you know, he, was, he didn't have the right frame of mind. But I think, um, you know, if he does get booed by the West Ham fans, which I think that might be the case... Uh, unless he comes out with a statement and makes it, you know, clears everything up, then he's got that temperament just to throw his arms up in the air and not mm. not try. And, and I just don't think we can afford that. If, you know, if we keep him, we need to be behind him. It's just the negative impact that it brings on the whole team. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not as straightforward as just saying, right, well, you know, if you don't want to be here, fine. You know, we'll just throw you in the reserves. But it's, football is just not like that anymore. And Jose Mourinho actually was speaking um, the, last week about how it has completely changed. You know, how Sir Alex Ferguson perhaps used to say, you know, the second that a footballer becomes bigger than the club is the second he needs to, you know, leave him. That's how he used to go get rid of, you know, Yapsdam, David Beckham, Van Nistelrooy. But Mourinho wasn't able to do that at Manchester United because he didn't have that power anymore. And it's the same with West Ham as they saw with Dimitri Payet. If Mark Winatovic doesn't want to be there, they have no choice but to sell him. If no clubs are in... If if the reports are correct and that the Chinese clubs have pulled out, 
I, I heard two different clubs as well. There's something in the mail on it's the weekend. It's Guangzhou Evergrande and Shanghai SIPG. Yeah, There's two. It. There was two. So by all accounts, they've both pulled out now of the deal. So surely from Marko Arnautovic's point of view, it's in his interest to keep putting a shift in for the rest of the season. Because if you want to deal in China, at, obviously if it's not going to happen at this stage, then and he has to wait six months... If he doesn't do anything and sulks and just sits in the reserves and he's basically invisible to the Chinese, they're not going to be interested in him in the summer, are they? No, maybe no. not. Um, but obviously, Marko Anatovic, a striker, maybe soon to be a former striker of yours. But I'm pleased to say we've got a former striker of yours. On the phone, it's David Connolly. I'm going to speak to him after this break here on Love Sport. 558 AM. Love Sport. Yeah, welcome back to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. Jake Watson joined by James Jones from West Ham World and Will Pugh from Balls on the Line. Delighted to say we've got former West Ham and Wimbledon striker David Connolly, DC, on the phone now. David, good evening, mate. Good evening, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad at all, thanks, mate. Oh, look, let's get your take quickly on Marko Anatovic then, uh, you know, striker to striker. Uh, you strike me, though, David, well, you know, a, a slightly different character to, to Marko Anatovic. Isn't he maybe the kind of guy that now it's got to this point, West Ham maybe just need to get rid, while get as much as they can now? Um, well, look, I mean, it's, that's how it normally plays out, isn't it? How it has done with, you know, with Payet, although I don't think they're quite, you know, exactly the same. I think with Dimitri Payet, you know, yes, he, he wasn't, he maybe didn't go about it in the right way, but I think he was going for sporting reasons. He wanted to go back to France, you know, to Marseille, and obviously he reached the Europa League final. So you'd say, you know, and, and arguably it wasn't for the money. Now with Arnautovic, he's obviously not going for sporting reasons. Um, you know, refusing to play is obviously a real negative. And if I was him, I'd be thinking, well, look, you know, Riyad Mahrez was in a similar situation, you know, but he buckled down, you know, got on, played. He sold, I think if you remember, he sold for a couple of days and then he was back in and amongst the team. Yeah. And they welcomed him with open arms. He got his move to Man City in the end. Now, I think that would be the right way to go about it rather than, and he might do that. Let's hope so. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see with that one. Um, the Chinese transfer window, by the way, for people who don't know, it's open for another month. So uh, they could be West Ham in a really awkward position if you know the January transfer window closes, then the Chinese club come in a month later and then West Ham can't react and, and do anything. But on, on West Ham's season in, in general, though, David, obviously they, they beat Arsenal the other week, a really impressive win. It's frustrating, isn't it? Unable to then back it up with the Bournemouth loss. And we were speaking in the studio that it's kind of this little mix of, of teams in mid-table at the moment. And we're, we're all with the capabilities of, of finishing seventh this year, but perhaps not quite able to, to put together a consistent run of games and, and kind of you know, nail their, their name to that, to that master such. Yeah, I mean, I guess I think Pellegrini is still searching, right? I mean... You know, if Anatovic does go, I tell you what, they look really, really light. Andy Carroll, you know, he's, he hasn't even played 100 games in five seasons. You can't rely on him. Um, they were struggling against Burnley until they brought on, you know, Mark Noble and Antonio made a real difference. And then Anatovic got a couple. So I, I think that, you know, they, I'd be worried if, if I lost Anatovic. I really would. I think they've got technical players. Yes, I think Samir Nazri is a terrific signing for them. And for the first time, I think in a good few years, they've, they've given like the youngsters and they're coming through a right good chance and they look good enough. You know, whether it's Xander Silva or it could be Declan Rice or, you know, they, they look at the Ghana, they look like, you know, they can actually 
make the grade. It's like your Joe Coles and your, you know, your Rios and people like that. I don't, I'm not saying they'll be that good in the end, but I tell you what, they look, they look like they've got a right good chance. And I think, I think West Ham always need youngsters like Sir Noble. They always need that, that mix, I think. And he's nearly there. You know, the technical players, you know, they're missing Lanzini's, but I think the technical way for them suits. Andy Carroll doesn't suit that. So if Arnautovic goes, Carroll won't suit that way. They'll need a front man desperately. David, obviously we got Wimbledon in the Cup this weekend and you had spells with, with both clubs. And I think I'm right in saying you had a, a spell with AFC Wimbledon as well towards the end of your career. Um both clubs have gone through a lot of change uh, in the sort of since you were were playing for both of them. As far as West Ham go, do you think that the the change in the club has been as good as as the the club would like to have the fans believe? And do you think we're in a better position now in that mid table bracket in the Premier League than we perhaps were at the old ground? Well, you know, look, I think uh, in terms of you mean in terms of the manager, I think look, he's obviously. He's got that, that CV that other managers don't. You know, can he bring them a title? I mean, they haven't won anything in, what, 37 years. Now, obviously, you know, they're not going to win the league or get close to that. So I'd like to think in the cup competitions, they'll have a real good go. And I think they could overcome Tottenham, you know, but I'm sure they'll make changes. So that'll be a real positive. And I think the league is just a very, very tough league. I mean, bar the top four, you know, top five probably, maybe sneaking up to sixth. You know, what's stopping them getting that Europa League spot, a bit like Burnley did. And I think if the West Ham, the owners were honest, they'll be thinking, well, look, we spent all this money. We should be getting consistent performances and be up challenging for that sort of top 10, seventh, you know, sort of place in and around there. And I think I think they can in time, but I think, you know, maybe they've obviously needed time for Anderson to settle. And a few of the new players, obviously, Yarmolenko's been out. And I think when they get everyone back fit, and I've been saying that for a long time, but when they do... They should have a fighter's chance of, of being up and being consistent, you know, being up and around that sort of, you know, top 10, pushing that Europa League spot. David, do you think that, you know, you mentioned that, you know, West Ham should be pushing for, for Europa League spot, but um, with the FA Cup, you know, the, the winner will go straight into the group stages of the FA Cup, I believe, and West Ham have been stung with, with the qualifiers um, two years on the bounce, losing to Astra a couple of years ago, having finished seventh. Um do you think West Ham would be looking at that and going, you know, or, or should be looking at that and going, you know, the FA Cup should be the priority rather than really putting everything into finishing seventh and getting in that way? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that for them, I think they need to win a trophy. So we have seen, and I did a few games, commentary games on them in the Europa League, and it's a bit like Burnley, you know, it's almost like they couldn't wait to get out of it. But you're spending £100 million in one window. I, I, I know what I'd want. I want to be challenging on all fronts. You know, so I'd want to win a trophy. I'd, I'd want to bring some sort of silverware in. And in the, you know, at the end of the day, I think they should be capable of doing that. I really do. David, moving on to women, obviously you, you played for them as well. Uh, played each other in, in the cup earlier on in the season, West Ham w- winning that one. There's another West Ham connection there as well now with Wally Downs, the manager. Um, what, what have you made of Wimbledon this season? Because... I mean, it pretty pretty obvious it could have gone better. I mean, the bottom of, of League One, but there has been a little bit of a change, hasn't there, under Wally Downs? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think they, they played well against Coventry and, you know, um, didn't quite get the result maybe they deserved. I was actually there against Fleetwood the other night. And yeah. to be frank, they were, you know, comprehensively beaten. They never looked like scoring. 
Uh, in fact, I was sitting next to Neil Hardley. And oh, um, Mick Harford, yeah, and Mick Harford was behind me. So it was a right, um, and F and a Coco, it was a real, <laughs> was a real um, you know, ex-Wimbledon ex sort of get-together. But, you know, I think, I think it'd be really disappointed, Wally, with that performance because they were so far off a, a Fleetwood side that, in all honesty, aren't in the greatest form. But, you know, they never looked like score. Like, threatening the goal. And... Yeah, this was, a, I guess, a pretty workmanlike Fleetwood side. Yeah, well, they've beaten Fleetwood, weirdly, twice already this season. They beat them in the Cup and they, they played them the first game of the season as well. But for, for Wimbledon, they're, they're bottom of the league, right? They scored just 22 goals um, in 29 games. So, so that's that's obvious where their problems uh, lie. But you've, you've obviously experienced Wally Downs before, David, across your career. Do you think he's got the capabilities as a manager to to not necessarily survive all this year? Because obviously he's inherited a, a weak squad. But do you think he's got the capabilities of pushing on and, and being a very good manager for them? Well, I don't see why not. I mean, I've had Wally as a coach at previous clubs, you know, so um, I know... I know him very well, and and he's a, he is an excellent coach, and I think he'll just need time. Look, he's not going to turn that around. Um, it's a very, very threadbare squad, very threadbare. Young, you know, it's all right giving the youngsters a chance, but, you know, to be honest, I think some of them need a bit more time. Um, I think he he's, he's, he's someone I think that needs to make signings in the window, but I'm not too sure you're going to have that many players going, you know, all oh, right, you know, this is the club for me particularly in the predicament they're in. So I think it's a really, really difficult one. I think he's got to get something out of the players that are already there. Look, Neil's tried it and he couldn't. And I think Wally's had mixed fortunes. And when you're down there, it's so, so hard to turn around. And I, I, I wish him so, so well in doing so. But I think it's going to be very, very difficult. Yeah, no, absolutely. And obviously they've already played at the King's Meadow this season, West Ham. So it's not going to be as, as much of a, a cup upset as such because they've played there. They know what it's like already. But regardless of that, AFC will be hoping, you know, to get into the next next round of the fifth round here for an upset because financially it's huge for them, isn't it? And maybe West Ham's focus is going to be a little bit elsewhere, isn't it? Well, yes, I mean... I think, look, if, if you ask Wimbledon, would you rather have beaten Fleetwood in the Cup or, or beaten them in the league? Obviously, they would have taken the league. Um, you know, th- that takes priority. I think for them, it, it's something that takes their mind off it, but they'll just be thinking of, of league points. And look, how are they going to get the best out of that side? He went with 4-4-2, you know, which I think, well, if you're going 4-4-2 at home, which is, I think, maybe the right thing to do because the fans want to see goals, but only if you've got two out-and-out forwards, you know, who are going to get your goals, and they don't really have them. So I don't know whether that was the right thing against Fleetwood, maybe matching them up in a 4-3-3, but um, I don't know. I think it's a difficult one for what I wish him the best, but I think it's very difficult. Yeah, no, I agree. David, absolute pleasure speaking to you as always, mate. Take care. Cheers, David. That was uh, David Conley there, the former West Ham and Wimbledon striker that game this weekend at the King's Meadow. West Ham once again playing AFC Wimbledon. Will they beat them again? We'll have to wait and see. But up next here on Love Sport Radio on the West Ham Fan Show, we're going to talk about some transfers. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of try ban Mark Winatovich. We'll talk about possible options that will come in um, if he's not going to play for the rest of the season. Love Sport, 5.58 a.m.
Good evening. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. The second leg of the semi-final of the Carabao Cup between Man City and Burton has just kicked off. I'll just quickly run through some of uh, the team news for that. Man City, uh, they have, of course, made a number of changes, but the likes of Aguero, De Bruyne, Mares, and Delph are all included. Ben Foden... Uh, Sandler, Garcia, Poveda get opportunities while Mendy is on the bench. He's returning from injury. Uh, Burton have made five changes from that first leg. So just to go in full, Man City's side is Muric, Zinchenko, Sandler, Garcia, Danilo, Delph, Foden, De Bruyne, Poveda, Mares, Aguero. Still fairly strong, but they did play on Tuesday evening in the checker trade, as Guardiola pointed out. So unable to make maybe as many changes as he wanted to do. The Burton side is Collins, McFadden, Turner, Aikens, Templeton, McCrory, Harness, Miller. Wallace, Quinn and Liam Boyce. So it's just kicked off in that one. We'll let you know as and when the goals go in. So chaps, let's talk about the January transfer window. A whole host of strikers linked mm. uh, with your club. Where, which one do you want to start with? Which one is, is taking your fancy more than most from, from the rumours and the whispers we're hearing on the internet? Well, I just want to say, remember last week when, <laughs> yeah. I, said, when I said Vincent Janssen, we should be looking at him. Yeah. Turns out he wants to move to West Ham. Well, do, do you still want so him? Maybe he was listening last mm. week, and I'll take him. I still would take him, um, even if I'm out of his stays. I'll take him. He'll be good mm. backup. Well, Pochettino's been speaking today, uh, and he said, "Look, you know, yes, we have problems in terms of the attacking areas, but Vincent Janssen is not going to play." He said, "It's not, it's not anything personal, but he's not been in my plans for eighteen months, and he's he's just not going to be." So Vincent Janssen is available. Apparently, they want a permanent deal, though around 12 million quid had the Crystal Palace fans in last night and they need a striker I pose the same question to them someone like Vincent Janssen because they play them in the cup next would you be interested in having him and they weren't they weren't particularly keen but he's 24 years old Will he has got a very good scoring record um, in the Dutch division before he signed for Spurs very good at international level as well and scored some goals for Fenerbahce do you think he could do a job for you? Well, I I did laugh quite heartily at you last week, didn't I, James? You did, yeah. <laughs> I remember when I said it, your face was a picture. You almost <laughs> fell off your chair. <laughs> yeah, so I wasn't too impressed at the beginning. but um, You've warmed come... to it? Well, you or, know... Or, or you're just less inspired by the other names linked? I think... Yeah, well, there is that. Yeah, <laughs> but I, speaking, to, speaking to a couple of Tottenham fans, only today, actually, um, friends of mine, we were just... We were running through it, and I, I brought him up then. We were doing a bit of transfer talk, and I brought up Janssen and, and the potential. And he... Both of them, actually, we're in agreement. They said, yeah, look, it hasn't worked out for him at Spurs. But, especially if you're only talking 12 million quid, which in these days... Only. Is, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? But these yeah. days is nothing at all, is mm. it? And they were saying that he'd definitely be worth a gamble. Like you say, he's only young. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm still not convinced, and uh, but perhaps more so than I was when you first brought up yeah. last week. The, the weird thing is, though, I, I had this debate with a Leicester fan who I know. He said... Andy Carroll or Vincent Janssen for Leicester because we kind of need a, a plan B. And I said I'd actually rather Andy Carroll than, than Vincent Janssen. And obviously, you've already got Andy Carroll. Why mm. would you pick Andy Carroll over Vincent Janssen? Because I, I'm, I'm, I'm really unconvinced by Vincent Janssen. I really, I really am. I, I, I think that clearly there, there is a player there. Um, but lots of players obviously have come from the Dutch division and then unable to, to make, make that step up and replicate the, the same form. And being a goal scorer is, is so much about confidence. And I think he's going to need to either go somewhere and score goals again or he's going to need a proper run. And I don't see uh, Premier League teams 
many of them having that ability to be that patient with someone saying look yeah no we've had a, a rough time of it you know we're going to give you 10 games hopefully within that 10 games you'll find your touch again nobody can wait that long in the Premier League anymore I think that's going to be Vincent Janssen's problem I think he's going to have to go to a, a second grade league back to somewhere like Turkey Portugal maybe someone like France and score goals again because I don't think you're given that opportunity in the Premier League if you're kind of low on confidence yeah no I, I, I do agree and I, I did say that last last week in that you know, I think he's the sort of player that just it just needs to. He's a, he's going to be a confident striker, and he needs a run of games. Yeah. Um, the the problem with West Ham is that I don't think he's an option unless we sell Arnautovic. Because if we don't sell Arnautovic, then there's a chance he'll play for us again. And that means if we don't sign Janssen, then he's not going to get a run of games unless Arnautovic gets injured. I mean, twelve million quid is a snip. You know, you could buy him for twelve million quid this January. And it don't work out between now and then. You could you could offload him for maybe a little bit of profit in the summer. But it's a gamble to take, and but I'd still I'd still look at him. I, I I do genuinely believe that, you know, that it, we could be the club where Janssen comes in and finds that confidence again. You mentioned that about Arnautovic, show, but wouldn't it be the same if we managed to offload Carroll or Hernandez? Because just purely on wages, I mean, like we say, we spent four million on Perez, twelve million. It's not a great deal more. Mm. But if we manage to offload one of them two, he's not gonna he's not gonna demand too much more money every week than either of them is he so if we could find the fee then it's a good point it's a good point yeah i mean i'm not against i'm not against this guy as i said last week i do genuinely believe we should go for him um and and see what he's all about as you know as 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 jake just said he just needs a run of games needs a bit of confidence and perhaps a new new surroundings he'll still be in the same city but new surroundings new manager new teammates it might just be exactly what he needs yeah Mm. um a striker though that has been linked to i've God, I suppose I mean I can't base it on on as much as of what I've seen of Vincent Janssen, but Maxi Gomez at Celta Vigo, mm. he really intrigues me as a player, and I, I I would love a Premier League club to go out and sign him. He's he's young, scored a lot of goals for Celta Vigo, pretty much single handedly keeping them out of relegation at the moment, and that's kind of where the problem lies. And such that Celta Vigo are in, in involved in a relegation battle, and they're saying, look, we accept that he is going to leave us but we would much rather do it at the end of the season once he's helped us stay up this year. But around £44 million, I think, is his release clause. But the goals he scored at international level and at the Liga for the age he's at, and you speak to anyone who watches Spanish football, and they, they say he's, he's the real deal. And if you're looking at replacing someone like Arnautovic, is that not someone you'd rather go out and spend significantly more money on, but perhaps the the the, the risk of reward being so much higher? Well, we had this... Uh debate last week between the two of us didn't we about mm. Tech and I was a little yeah. bit more conservative then and it's signing for AC Milan for 30 odd million quid that's it yeah in a, in a league he's already proven in that, mm. that's my only thing with that and but after we spoke last week about the idea that it was Tech or Wilson basically wasn't it yeah um, and although it is easy to to play that safe option I still think West Ham and especially with with the owners are not in a, a position to take if they're going to take a 44 50 million pound or million euro gamble yeah i just think they're unlikely to do that at this stage of the season this stage of the season i mean they they had a big gamble of anderson didn't they in the summer Ooh. with that with a big outlay but i mean that seems to have worked, worked. out but Absolutely. Mid, midway for a season it's even it's a bigger gamble isn't it mm. um and i agree but you know I, I, as you said i don't think Celtic will, will sell in january but he has got a release clause he has got a release clause but so if you really if you lose an out of it for fifty million pounds, forty five million pounds, yeah. then you can just yeah. spend that money 
on on a, on a ready-made replacement, younger. You know, who, who knows just how good he is? That but, said, you know, you can you can replace him. That said, I mean, you know, Maxi Gomez doesn't matter if he got released because he could refuse to move. Mm. He could go, no, I want to stay until the end of the season. No, there's not many footballers like that around yeah. there. No, but you know. We'll see what happens in that yeah. front. But. Andy Carroll then, um, linked with Spurs during the week. I sniggered then when I said that, perhaps unfairly, because um, I am actually a fan of Andy Carroll. I am. I still think I still think he's he's got a role to play. Whether it's as a... Well, it's unlikely to be a 90-minute player, week in, week out, but across the course of a season, I think he still can contribute. And with Spurs' situation, needing a backup to Harry Kane, I didn't think it was that funny because he was linked as well, wasn't he, last season with Chelsea? And again, it got a similar reaction to that. I don't think it's that funny. I think Andy Carroll is a good player who can, they, who, can ha- who can who can have an impact at a top club. But they've got Lorente. I don't understand why on earth they'd bring another player of that style in. They've got Lorente there who's that big, tall, hold-up, good-in-the-air yeah. player. They've already got that. Surely if they're going to bring anyone in... But do you not find it weird in, that this is your player, right? You're in mid-table in the Premier League. And last January, you had Chelsea linked with him. Now you're having Spurs linked with him, but he's not first choice at your own club. So so why is it? There's a reason why, why he's not first choice at West Ham, and it's because he can't be trusted with his fitness. And, you know, we're talking about a player here that has been at the club for five seasons. This is, what's fifth season now? And I think he's missed, combined, about 130 games in those five five seasons. He spent probably a combined three years of those five seasons out. Mm. Um, so when you see the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal, uh, Chelsea and Tottenham being linked with him, you're, you're scratching your head and going, "Are you sure?" Mm. Um, he's not. He's not. He's a good striker on his day, but he, you can't trust him. Mm. He might have five or six games, or the moment he's on like fifteen, fifteen game run without <laughs> getting injured, it's probably a record. So, for him. so if they offer you two million pounds of his contract of six months left, take would, it. Would you take it? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I just think he's unfortunately. I I like. I think a lot of Carroll, and I think I do as well. When yeah. he when he has been able to pull the shirt on and get out on the pitch, I've I've loved watching him for us, and I think yeah. he's a he's a great part of the club. And I do. I overall, you look at his career, and I I just feel I just feel sorry for him because I think he could have gone on to do absolutely great things. There's yeah. no accident that Liverpool signed him. Yeah. I, honestly and truly, I thought he did have the potential to be the next Alan Shearer and when mm. and when Liverpool signed him for thirty five million pounds, again people sniggered a little bit. I honestly thought he could have been England's number nine for the next ten years. I honestly thought he could have been mm. absolutely brilliant. But I think he is as much to blame as as the other clubs because I don't think he's looked after himself as, as well as he could have. We'll continue this debate. Uh, it's nearly eight o'clock here on Love Sport Radio. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Welcome back, West Ham fans show. Another half an hour uh, before we have a switch up and the Fulham boys from the Fulhamish pod join me till 10pm. Uh, stay tuned for that one. Uh, big news with Kamara today. Um, so I'm sure the guys have some strong opinions on that one. Uh, the guys from the Fulhamish, 8.30 till 10pm here on Love Sport Radio. But guys, let's just continue and finish off our January transfer window chat regarding your club, West Ham United. Josh Madger is a, is a player, again, that's been linked with your team. 16 goals this year for Sunderland in League One, just 20 years old. 
apparently, well, he has been offered round to pretty much everyone because his contract's running out at the end of the season. Would you like Josh Madge? Have you seen anything of him? Does he interest you? He does interest me. I mean, I haven't seen a great deal. Um, I'd be lying if I said I knew a lot about him, but you know, from from what I've read and from what I've seen, he looks like a real, you know, a real prospect. And it's good to see us sort of looking at players like that, sort of young prospects in the lower leagues. We've had a lot of success in doing that in the past, mm. uh, sort of mm. dipping into the championship with the likes of Antonio Creswell. Creswell, and, yeah. Um, and you know, I, I, when I was looking at the report earlier, and it said that it, it was. It was a toss-up between us and Bordeaux, and the deal was that we were going to loan him back for eighteen months. And mm. I thought that was, that's a really good way of doing business yep. because then he, he, if they go up, yeah, it's a year in the championship. But the problem is, is that he's under twenty-one, right, and his contract is running out at the end of the season. So Sunderland want to do business with a foreign side because they can get the money now, whereas a Premier League t- side knows if they sit tight, there's a good chance. He'll be available in the summer. Yes, you'll have to pay a fee because he's under an age of 21, but it'll be significantly less than mm. the three and a half million, which apparently Bordeaux are offering right now. So, so that's kind of, I think, where the situation is at, that Sunderland are keen to sell him and get three and a half million and let him go to Bordeaux, then running the risk of maybe getting a million pounds for him from a Premier League club. And I know, obviously, they then get the opportunity of having him back on loan, maybe, for, for the rest of the season. But I think that's that's where we sit. It's because of his age and his contract situation. And there is interest from abroad. That's yeah. where they want the deal to happen. And that's, that's absolutely fair enough. And you can you can understand that. But uh, from f- you know, if, I'm, if, if Pellegrini really wants him mm. and he's only, he's only valuable for three and a half million quid, Mm. Paid a three and a half million quid now, loaning back for Deli Ali situation at the yeah. time five million pounds from from League One, and people were maybe raised eyebrows a little bit. But I mean, he's paid that back in summer, hasn't he? Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's an opportunity here to get you know a real promising you know young player. Okay, he won't be at the club for eighteen months if 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 it does go through. But three and a half million quid, I mean, it's absolutely nothing. You know, we were talking about twelve million for Janssen, which is peanuts. Yeah, um, three and a half million quid for. A twenty-year-old is is even you know is even better business. So I'd be surprised if the club to go. Oh no, we're not going to pay that now um, mm. and let him go to Bordeaux. If you know if he hasn't already gone to Bordeaux, I don't know. I don't know how far that's progressed. But I'd like to see us really try for this one. I heard Celtic were interested in him as well. And which... again, that's the same situation. Do you remember a couple of years ago with um, was it Dembele, the striker at Fulham? Again, a similar situation. His contract was running out. He was of a certain age, and loads of clubs were linked. And Fulham said, "Well, yeah." Um, but we want to sell him to outside of the UK because we can get maximum money for him. And it's not the ru- running the risk of going for a tribunal and getting effectively a pittance. Yeah, I still think, like you said, sixteen goals in thirteen appearance in thirty sorry appearances mm. you got this year. It, it's decent. Three million is nothing. We threw that money sort of away on not threw it away, but we spent that on Perez on a bit of a gamble. If we we're willing to spend twelve mil on Jensen as well, I, I think it'd be a great signing if we could do it. That's right. Right, we we chucked ten million at Jordan Hugo last January. So wow. <laughs> forgotten about that we one could, we could do a lot worse <laughs> yeah so you know I, I think it's a deal that I'd like to see us really push through alright well we'll wait and see what happens with that one Josh Madger the Sunderland striker set to be on the move this window but will it be to a Premier League club and then back on loan to Sunderland or will Sunderland look to push him out uh, to a foreign side Bordeaux heavily linked uh, with a three and a half million pound bid for him but guys let's go on and, and look ahead a little bit to this FA Cup game next uh, against uh, Wimbledon you played them earlier on in the season at the you know it was away as well at this one what what are your thoughts with with, with this game because it quite quite often when you've got two sides there's there's maybe one whose season is kind of semi over and another one who's fighting for it and we've got a situation here where Wimbledon are bottom of league 1 
So this game is a little bit of an inconvenience in the sense of they want their players to be fit for league action because they want to survive this year, mm. but they want to earn the money of being in the FA Cup. Whereas at West Ham, you've kind of got, well, we're not going to get in the top four. We're not going to get relegated. How much do we care about the FA Cup? And I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a, it's a bit of a, a dead rubber as such, but it does feel that maybe this game hasn't got you know that kind of hook and that, that extra bit of bite. Is that a fair a fair assessment? I'm not. I'm not so sure. I'm. I'm quite. I. I. Th- I think, like you say, from the Wimbledon point of view, they're they're probably looking at it as a nice little bonus. It'll fill the ground up. Yeah. Um. You know, they'll get some revenue through the door for that, which will be nice. Nice day evening for the fans. However, yeah, they'll probably they can do without if they go out. They they won't shed no too many tears yeah. over that. But I think from our point of view, I think it would be good. Although I know we've seen reports today about um, some of the youngsters being given a run out, Silver, Coventry and Holland, I think. Mm. Although I think that would be good. I also think it's important. It'd be nice to see us just turn up, put a strong enough side out that we, you know, it's not messy. That We turn up, come away with a two or three nil. Thank you very much. And, and on to the next round. We did that in the Carabao Cup against them, didn't we? We showed them a lot of respect, played a real strong team, you know, brought... Um, Anderson off the bench and Andes started um, Diop played mm. and you know so it was a strong team um, and I think he'll do the same yeah okay there's going to be a few youngsters in there um, I'd like to see a little bit more Zande Silva mm-hmm. um, Coventry certainly deserves another go after his performance against Macclesfield That's it. in yeah, the yeah. World Cup you know he came off the bench set up Dean Garner for two so Dean Garner we really know a lot about but you know around that we've still got a lot of first team but because of all their injuries we can't really afford to rest an entire 11 mm. so no um but I think this game, this is an interesting one because when we played them last, we were 1-0 down after two minutes. Yeah. We'd already lost our first three games of the season and it was like, here we go, here we go. <laughs> yeah, but, cup upset. Yeah, yeah, but it, I mean, we, you know, we, it took us to the 60th, 60th minute or so to, to get the equaliser and then it was relatively straightforward after that. But that was Pellegrini's first win, but we've come a long way since then, I believe. Yeah, and, do you think that'll stand in really good stead for this game? You know, when a, a Premier League side goes to one of these smaller stadiums, you know, often in like League Two or non-league, and you know, let's be honest, the Kings Murder at AFC Wimbledon, the facilities aren't, you know, there are better facilities in League Two and the National League. Do you think that will you stand you in particularly good stead going into this one that these players and the manager have already played there this season? So it's not going to be too much kind of a, of, of a cult, culture shock like James, you said, it took you a good hour to get used to it last time. That mm. you, sh- you can't have those same excuses this time. Potentially. I think with all grounds, all, all, all ties like that, and I always find it with the early rounds of the Cup, and I said the same thing against Birmingham, There's they're very, very rarely just walks in the park, are they? I know the Macclesfield game was a bit of an anomaly for West Ham, really, wasn't it? If mm. we, whatever, However easy the ties tend mm. to be earlier on in the tournament, they never tend to be walkovers. And I think it'll be the same, it'll be the same against Wimbledon, won't it? I think when we played Macclesfield, they were bottom of League Two, weren't they? Yeah. So I think current league form does play a big part in it. And if they're not playing too well at the moment, which you're obviously not, we're doing okay. I'm a bit more comfortable than I normally am. Yeah, I mean, I'm the same. And the reason why is because when we played them early on in the season, as I said, we were on the back of three defeats. And the the team and the squad and the players were still getting used to the way that, you know, Pellegrini wanted to play. We were trying to really get into his philosophy and... We we lost again in the league directly after that again, and so it's still we we're still getting used to the new era, you know, as it were. Whereas now, it's been a lot better. We've got results on the board. You know, um, they look like a much better team, even with all the additional injuries. And I think they'll go there a little bit clearer in terms of what Pellegrini wants from them on the day. And I don't think it will be as hard a slog. 
yeah. okay, it's still a still potential banana skin. You know, I'm not going to say that it's going to be a, a walkover and we're going to, you know, we're going to win six, seven, or even eight and all that we did against Macclesfield. But mm. they, sh- it should be a far more comfortable prospect playing playing Wimbledon. Okay, well we'll continue this at one to eight thirty. It's Love Sport Radio. This is the West Ham Fan Show. Love Sport Radio, the station giving fans a voice. Yeah, welcome back. We have just had a goal um, down at the Pirelli. It's still called the Pirelli, the Burton Stadium? Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, um, sure. Sergio Aguero yeah. has just scored. Riyad Mahrez pulled it back to him. Uh, very um, strange defending from Burton. Let's go with that one. Um, you would have thought at some point, somebody would have thought it'd be a good idea to mark uh, Sergio Aguero, but uh, apparently not. So they're 1-0 behind in that one. 10-0 into double figures now across the two legs and still over an hour left to play. I'm not sure what the record is, but Man City, I suppose they could go for that with the team they've got out. Uh, today um, the team that you guys are going to put out for Wimbledon what do you reckon it'll be because we've got this thing at the moment with the FA Cup again particularly with these Premier League sides who've got effectively nothing to play for in the sense of we're not relegated and not going to win the league everyone really gets on kind of a high horse and a bandwagon as such saying why are you resting players you know why are you not going for this now fans want us to go for it but managers seem to kind of see it differently, don't they? So, look, I know I know you boys want West Ham to put a strong team out as possible because you yeah. want to go far in the FA Cup, but what does your gut tell you about what Manuel Pellegrini will do going into this? Do you think he will rest as many as he can? Well, as I just said before the break, I don't think we can afford to rest as many as perhaps Pellegrini would like because of the injuries that we've got. Um, I suppose... Uh, it all depends on what Arnautovic's situation is like. Is he going to is he going to feature at some point? If not, you know, there's three other strikers that could play. Um, there will be a little bit of rotation. The three three youngsters we mentioned that they'll probably get a game, but I think you know that there's it's going to be the majority of first team players in there. Um, you know, and I think Pellegrini is the type of manager that will want to take this this competition seriously. I I. Just saying that just now, those, as much as I do want us to put a strong team out and for it not to be too difficult, we're playing Wolves three days later, aren't we? So, and that's the thing. I think if we, you know, if we had another week to the next game, I think it's a different situation. But away at the Wolves, that's that's not going to be an easy game no. by any stretch no. of the imagination. And I, and I can guarantee you, if you were to ask Pellegrini, and he was completely being honest and wasn't being recorded, he said, what would you rather, win against Wimbledon and get into the FA Cup fifth round or beat Wolves? He would take the Wolves win every single time, despite the fact that if he was to win Wimbledon, there's a chance still you could win a cup. Whereas Wolves, if you were to lose that, ultimately it wouldn't really affect too much of anything, would it? What, the Wolves game? If you were to lose that game, you've still got another 14 games to finish somewhere in the league. If you lose to Wimbledon, you're out of the FA Cup. So really and truly, if you're going to ask me, what would I rather? I think West Ham should look to beat Wimbledon. And if that has a knock-on effect and the performance against Wolves is kind of not as good as a consequence of going all out against Wimbledon, I'd be fine with that because I'd rather my team go to winning the FA Cup because I know that after the Wolves game, you've got another 14 to kind of make it right. But that's the thing. After Wolves, we've got Liverpool at home, haven't we? So I think, I, I agree, I understand what you're saying in that he would We'll take the three points there, but then we've we've got Palace and Fulham after the Liverpool game, so we've got another little cluster of games. We have got Liverpool thrown in there, uh, then we're away to City before Newcastle and Cardiff after that. Mm. So our next seven, once again, you've got two in there where realistically we're probably not going to get anything. But I, 
I still think he will probably rest more than perhaps we'd like to see for the Wimbledon game, given the prox- the close proximity of the Wolves game just three days after. Yeah, and that, I mean, you're, you're right in a, in a sense that the Wolves game is is quite actually quite important because you know they're in that mid that that, that race. Of course, for the and I accept that. Um, yeah. It is it is important. You know, we lose that particularly after losing to um, Bournemouth. 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 So, yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, one of the bees. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So you have to lose to Bournemouth, you know, we, there, there is risk of losing ground in that race of seventh. We've, done, we've worked so hard to get away from the bottom three, climb up into that race for seventh and be in the mix for it. Okay, we keep bottling going seventh, but, <laughs> um, you know, then you go away to Wolves and then you lose that and so you lose a little bit more ground. Um, so that is an important game, but yeah, th- he probably will factor that into his t- starting lineup. But, you know, I, I've, I have a lot of trust in the young players coming through. We've heard it from a lot of guests on the show over the last few weeks that, mm. you know, that's Tony Carr coming a couple of weeks ago and was raving about the youngsters. Um, and we've already seen how good the youngsters can be. So if it is a team with a lot more youngsters than we used to, I still back them to, to go out there and get the, get, you know, get the win and get us through to the next round. Yeah, so we have spoken about the youngsters and you know, and saying that maybe Pellegrini's hand is going to be forced a little bit in terms of the injuries that we've got. Now, we've, of course, spoke about strikers and possible ins. Is there a dire need for other bodies to come in this January who isn't obviously a youngster being promoted and, and someone to actually help and contribute this season other than a striker? I just think it's a, it's a real peculiar situation at the moment with West Ham. There's kind of a... a positive feeling around the club and a positive well there's a there's a mood that says that we could do something decent this season which i.e seventh or eighth I think would certainly count as that but yeah at the same time so I'm certainly just talking for me there's also a feeling that if we were to have a bit of a mini clear out now i.e turn some players out the door and pull some in yeah that that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either and that that is certainly something we'll need to do in the summer yeah, definitely in the summer. Hmm. There's still a lot of deadwood in the squad that we, could, you know, we need to get rid of. Andy Carroll being one of them. Um, you know, lots of, you know, there's a few hmm. knocking about. But I'm really surprised that the club, Pellegrini and, and whoever else is, you know, Husserlos uh, and, and that haven't brought in a left back or a right back. That, this window. This window. We are so weak in those areas. Zabaleta is reliable, but he's no spring chicken anymore. Even Pellegrini admitted that he's going to have to rest him over the busy uh, fixture period, um, which he did. Um, Masuaku, good on the ball, but defensively a little bit suspect. Creswell's in a little bit of form at the moment. Okay, Frederick has just come back from injury. I was injury. just going to say that, yeah. Um, but I still think we could we could probably put one or two, w- at least one player in that can cover in one of those positions. Uh, Nashry coming in central midfield is a good signing. I, I keep forgetting we signed it. It kind of arrived a bit low-key, didn't he? But... You know, and, and a centre half as well because you know Winston Reid is, is he still alive? No one yeah, really knows. Not you know, sure. I don't, I, no you tell me. No one's heard of it, heard from him for ages. Um, you've got uh, well, Balbuena. No one knows how long he's going to be out for. So we've got two centre halves. But realistically, no so. one's going to go out and buy anyone if you have. If it's just a matter of injuries. You mentioned it'd be great to have someone in the fullback areas, but. You know, Fredericks. You, you signed in the summer, and he's he's effectively not really played yet. When he's back, that will that will be like a new signing all over again. Even though he only signed in the summer, I, I get that. I get that. I just you know, I I, I did feel, and I, I said it before. I felt as if that there was business to be done this window. 
Um, just to really make sure that if there are what, because I mean, this is West Ham. We always get injuries. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter how many we always got injuries. So it's worth bringing one or two players in just to you know counter sure that. It up a bit. Yeah, just shore it up. Because um, knowing our luck, Fredericks will come back and get injured again. You know, or or Ogbonna will get injured, or you know. That's why I was a little bit confused. Sorry, when we were like talking about letting players like Obiang go. Not, yeah, it, it just seems that it's just an odd window, generally, isn't it? And I, but I think looking at it as it is now, and sort of knowing the club over the last few years, it sort of strikes me that they're going to go. You know what? We probably could improve it, but we're doing all right at the moment. So let's just muddle through till the end of the season, see mm-hmm. where we end up. Fingers crossed that we finish in the top half and we can say how great it is. But it's definitely a a big summer operation and it's the the first real chance Pellegrini's going to have to stamp his authority on the team transfer-wise, isn't mm. it? Oh, no, I agree. And you know, if they can back him again next summer, then it would be quite an exciting season next season because he's laying the foundations and we always knew this season would be a transitional season for the club. Uh, it'll be a season where you know we have to be patient with what, what he's trying to build. And if we can enjoy a solid solid finish continue a cut run uh, uh, and then reinvest with another 50, 50, 60, 70 million quid in the summer, you know, that's, that's positive going into the next season. Yeah, absolutely. It's just gone 20 past eight here on Love Sport Radio. Uh, almost time for any other business before we finish at 8.30 this evening. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available, but if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Love Sport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword Love Sport. Okay then, so before you chaps are back next Wednesday, uh, there will be a Premier League game as well. Uh, I know we don't kind of want to look too far beyond um, your next game, which is of course Wimbledon, which we've spoken about. But but Wolves, as you mentioned, James, they are in eighth, just one point more than you. And again, we spoke about this little cluster of, of Premier League sides. It feels that, I mean, let's not start bidding it as a, as a six-pointer, but whoever wins that game, it's it, it, it becomes almost like... Four points, so that little bit extra because it is so tight at the moment. It's a huge incentive for both teams, I think. Um, Wolves off the back of a great, a brilliant, dramatic win against Leicester. Um, and <laughs> Cheers. Uh, yeah, sorry, Jake, sorry. Um, great game to watch that. But, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, they're on a high because their their home form hasn't been brilliant this season. No. They've been better away from home, so to get that win, they'll be on a high going into the game against us and. You know, regardless of what happens against Wimbledon, we're going to want to bounce back from that defeat to Bournemouth. So it's, it's, it's a huge opportunity because West Ham might actually finally get to go seventh. That's an incentive. Uh, that's an incentive. But if, if Wolves win, they're four points ahead of us. And suddenly there's a gap. Um, and that's why, you know, we can't really afford to lose um, 
it's, it's more for us to lose, I think. They're just a strange team, Wolves, aren't they? Especially this season, particularly. They've, like you said, there they had the four-three win against Leicester. They took points off Chelsea and City this season, haven't they? Lost to uh, Crystal Palace at home. Beat Spurs, didn't they? Last time they just—you never really know. Similar no. to us, really, you never really know what you're going to get, and that is exactly the kind of game that you could see us going there and winning, couldn't you? After the, oh, some yeah. of the games we've played yeah, recently, yeah. a bit like the Southampton game, they had a new manager. You're kind of thinking, oh, they're on the way up. But you could just see us going up there and, and coming away with a 3-0 win and everyone gets all excited again. <laughs> yeah, like, like we did at Newcastle, where we we never win at Newcastle. No. Went there and won 3-0. Yeah. You know? it's And then I think we followed that up with a defeat to... Oh, no, we won a few games, didn't we? Mm. And then we lost to Watford. Brilliant. You know, it's, just, it's, what, <laughs> it's what we do, so... Yeah, it it, is what, it's, it, the thing is though, people always say this. Oh, it's what we do. You know these runs. No, it's it's what every club in the the middle of the the league does, and that's why yeah. you're in the middle of the, the league. Exactly. Yeah. Because no one is consistent. Yeah. If you were consistent, if you were consistently rubbish or good, you wouldn't be in the middle of the league. It's just the way it goes. Mm. Yeah. No, it's, it's a very good point. It's a very good point. It just seems to be this has always been us. I mean, okay, normally, particularly in the last couple of seasons, we've been more used to losing than winning because we've been in relegation battles, but. Um, I mean, it is quite refreshing to to not have not be looking over our shoulder this year. It's quite nice to be in the battle for <laughs> not yet the battle for tenth because uh, um, I don't th- I don't think we're going to finish seventh because we keep bottling it. So this is the battle <laughs> someone's for, got to. This is the battle for tenth. <laughs> yeah, no know? one seems to yeah. want it, do so they? But someone's yeah. got to, even if it's by default somehow. Yeah. Somebody will finish seventh. I, 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 it feels like that no one wants it because of the <laughs> Europa League qualifiers. I want it. <laughs> I want it as a lesser. I'd be. I'd love it. Back in Europe. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I would absolutely Start your love season it. on the 3rd of July. Don't care. I booked the flights now. <laughs> Brilliant. Rock I'll go summer. watch it in some second-rate stadium with no roof in Eastern Europe. Not a problem on a Thursday night. 5.30 kickoff or whatever it is. I'd finish 7th. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not as un- as, uh, as unattractive as people make it out, I don't, I don't think. But clearly, <laughs> just, you, clearly to the clubs, it's like, nah. You've nah. got to be going for it, haven't you? You've got to. If you're, you have if you're, to. Say you're in Europe. I do think all, all it does is just rams home the point that the Europa League needs a bit of reform. Doesn't exactly. It? Oh, definitely. I because, 100% agree. Yeah. You, know, you can't have a, have a season where people are, are, are striving um, to finish in the top seven and then to get in Europe and then get in be Europe and then decide they don't want to be in Europe because it means they've got to play on a Thursday because there's no money involved. It's a good point. Where it does, you just need some more money involved. But look, guys, the 29th is obviously when you'll play Wolves. It'll be the last time uh, you have a game before the transfer window uh, slams shut, certainly in this country. Anyway, do you expect Marco Manoutovic to be involved in this game against Wolves or do you hold little hope of that? Do you think you've seen the last of him? I think he'll be playing. Yeah, me too. Definitely, rest I, of the season. I reckon he's going to play against Wimbledon as well. You, you're that sure? Why? I wouldn't say I'm that sure. I just reckon he will. That's the gut. That's what he's telling yeah. you. On yeah. the bench. On the bench. On the bench. Off the bench. He'll score a goal. Yeah. He'll shush, shush the fans. <laughs> and it'll be, oh, we will have him again. Yeah. And it's, so uh, you're going to boo him first? And oh, then, I won't and then, when, he, yeah. and then when he scores surprised. a goal, you'll then be cheering him again. Yeah, because that's, that's how football works, isn't cause, it? Because football fans are fickle, yeah. and you know that's <laughs> the way that's the way football is, isn't it? So we'll boo him and then cheer him and then fall in love with him again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At least we can all sit here and admit exactly what it's like, um, chaps. Before we go this evening, let's just get a couple of predictions from you both because I won't see you uh, until after this Wolves game. So Wimbledon fees th- first, and then Wolves. Uh, we'll win three 0 at Wimbledon. Yep. Uh, and two one at Wolves. 
yeah, comfortable win at Wimbledon. I'll say 3 0 as well. And then I reckon 3 2 at Wolves to us because we both ship goals. Goals, goals, goals. Top stuff. Thank you very much, chaps. It's been James Jones from West Ham World and Will Pugh from Balls on the Line. They'll be back next Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Five eight AM Love Sport Sports Social Podcast Network